Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, Husker fans. Welcome to episode 214 of the Husker Football Fan Podcast. I'm Mike Harvat. In today's episode, Justin is joined by Kyle Jones from 11 Warriors to discuss the relationship between Nebraska and Ohio State and also preview the national championship game. You can find us on the web at huskerpod.com or by searching Husker Football Fan Podcast on Facebook. You can also connect with us on Twitter by following at huskerpod or email us at huskerpod at gmail.com. This episode is brought to you by Central Nebraska Buffalo. Check out their website for the latest deals, cnbuffalo.com. Also brought to you by Monty Rohde with Pinnacle Realty in Lincoln. Looking to buy or sell a home in Lincoln or know somebody who is? Hit up Monty at 402-770-3356. Excited to welcome Kyle Jones of 11 Warriors back to the show. Kyle, uh, welcome. Thanks for having me back. It's always good to be here. Yeah, so um, since Nebraska and Ohio State, well, since we last talked, did our fan bases become best friends? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of uh, mutual, uh, I would say mutual respect for one another, at least I hope uh, most of the fans in Ohio would agree. Um, I think the, uh, there were some questions from Ohio State fans about why Nebraska was so excited to play, um, and those were <laughs> answered in the first week. But um, I think Ohio State, Ohio State is definitely grateful uh, for the likes of Nebraska for being such a thorn in the side of the Big Ten to help Ohio State get to where, where they are today, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I hopefully Ohio State fans understand that we just, just really like football. <laughs> that's, that's really all it is. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was, it was one of those things where, um, you know, there are so many politics within the conference that we could, we could spend hours talking about, right, and, and getting into the details of, of – um, Ohio State needing to under you know trying to respect its place and understand how a Michigan or Wisconsin or how some of the other conferences um, would have felt that it kind of takes a relative newcomer like Nebraska to shake things up every so often. Well, I want to spend a little time talking about the national championship game, but since we're on this right now, I'm how how do you feel from an Ohio State perspective that things have changed going forward in the Big Ten as a result of this crazy year? And, and yeah, I, the terrible communication from the top. <laughs> well, it's one of those things that I, I think we at, at 11 Warriors have, have spoken at great length about, you know, at least internally about how different could this have been with Jim Delaney still in charge. Right. Yeah. And you, you can't help but wonder what a guy like that who had so much respect and frankly power mm-hmm. um, within his own conference And, and, you know, maybe this was a bit of an element of some of the schools trying to take that power back, if you will. You know, I think there's definitely an element of some of the athletic directors and even the college presidents themselves feeling as though their voice um, or opinion was marginalized at times by having such a monumental figure in Jim Delaney, who, frankly, got a lot of those schools, you know, brought them a lot of money over the years and helped pay for a lot of new facilities and, you know, pay for a lot of salaries and, and scholarships and all, 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 
you know, the things that college uh, administrators want and care about. Uh, you know, he brought that to him. And so it was easy to respect and pay heed to his wishes. Um, and by, you know, making it felt, you know, and, and granted, these are such unforeseen times, there was no handbook for Kevin Warren, that's for sure. Um, but, you know, I, I think there was definitely a, an element here of uh, Big Ten presidents wanting to make their voices heard and wanting to feel like they held the power um, in a lot of ways. I do think that that has made this, the conference look a bit silly nationally. Um, you know, the uh, the desire to play by Robert's rules of order and make <laughs> rules that we could break and rewrite them as we go, you know, the Big Ten tried to be correct and ended up looking wrong. The SEC sure. tried to be wrong and ended up being right, mm. if you will. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, and you know, it's the SEC succeeded by not making any rules and allowing their fans and teams to say, "Oh, this is such an unprecedented situation. Let's just figure it out on the fly." And the Big Ten, in its desire to be the leaders and legends of college sports you know, elected very early on to say, you nope, we're going to set out a process and define it. And this is what we think it needed need to be. And then ended up changing it. So, you know, it, it was one of those things where I, I get why the Big Ten did it. But, you know, hopefully we never find ourselves in a global pandemic again. But maybe when it comes to decision making, the Big Ten can recognize who are the right, who are the people that need to be making decisions and, and what's the best way to, to allow these people to make decisions. So there's no love for the conference commissioner in this state. I mean, things have worked out for Ohio State. So do you think mm -hmm. that because of that, that there's more understanding maybe in Ohio? I, I mean, I think the reality, I think most Ohio, uh, Ohio State fans look at it the same way that NFL fans might look at Roger Goodell or for years, the way that NBA fans looked at David Stern, where, look, that was the guy who was paid to take the fall. Right. You know, at the end of the day, the commissioner is supposed to get booed. And, you know, every, if every fan hates the commissioner, then their commissioner is doing their job. Right. And, um, you know, that's has that is not how college sports has traditionally worked. But, um, you know, I think Ohio State fans recognize that this was a guy who came in and was in many ways given a, a turd sandwich and then didn't do very well with it. Um, that's that part's clear. But. I think most fans, at least from, you know, a lot of the 11 Warriors readers, um, at least, you know, there's some that are still very upset with the way he's handled it. But I think those that, that know the score a little bit more recognize that he was not in charge of this situation from day one and that the, the, the schools took it back and athletic directors, you know, I think you could make a case that Barry Alvarez holds more power in the Big Ten than Kevin Warren at this point. Hmm. Interesting. That's a much more gracious take than I was. I mean, I didn't know what, what you were going to say, but that's all very gracious. So, do you so you think you speak for a good chunk of fans? Then, I, I mean, I speak for a chunk of fans. I'm sure there are those that only saw the headline and realized and thought Kevin Warren, Kevin Warren's, you know, trying to screw over Ohio State and keep keep Ohio State out of the title game or some somehow some way. You know, right now, I think that the team, you know, the fan base that's most upset with the Big Ten is in Bloomington, um, although after their bull performance, they may want to re re uh, assess that, that those feelings. But, um, you know, I, I think the reality is, is this was such an unbelievable unforeseen situation that, 
you know, Kevin Warren will, you know, he'll survive. Hopefully he doesn't make the same mistakes again of, you know, the mistakes were not out of, at least in my opinion, malice. It was just mistakes of not having any clue. Yeah, exactly. You know, like. He didn't mean to do a bad job. He just couldn't. (laughs) Well, but look, how many times have we said that in the last year? Right. (laughs) You know, I, as I think Nebraska fans reflect on the season, I think we just have such a bad taste in our mouth. And I, Kevin Warren is partially to blame, but the, the piling on that happened from the national media, we're never going to forget yeah. that. Ever. Yeah. Ever. And we have long memories. Um, so that was something that you guys all saw <laughs> as we did. Um, and it's, it's yeah. really hard. We've talked about this before. It's really hard. We were the pinnacle of football. We, so we know what it's like to be when your voice is respected and to just be kicked around in the dirt like another <laughs> Indiana. Um, it's just <laughs> – it's it's really a bitter pill to swallow. So well, I think the the scheduling gods, whoever that might be, Barry Alvarez, um, you know, whoever the, those people may be, didn't do Nebraska any favors by immediately saying, "Here, you really wanted to play, you get to play Ohio State Week One." You know that that certainly didn't allow Nebraska or its fan base to build a lot of positive momentum and say, "Look, we wanted to play for this reason." You know, I think that that was a bit of a, a bitter pill to have to swallow. I would imagine there are a lot of bitter pills. It's been a it's been a decade or two of bitter pills. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, looking at the stats from when Nebraska in Ohio State played a million years ago, um, fifty two to seventeen loss. First of all, the highlight here on ESPN is Ryan Day apologized to Scott Frost for not taking a knee. Forgot about that. I completely forgot about that. And um, Trey Sermon carried the ball 11 times for 48 yards. What, what's the biggest difference between that and then where he's at now? Cause I feel like that maybe is the, the obvious um, progression. And the most obvious thing that stands out to me is where the team is, how the team has evolved. Yeah. I think that's a great call is, is the, there were really two things that if you came out of that game, you looked at, at Ohio state and you, and you, you, now you'd almost laugh at, which are one Ohio state's inability to stop the quarterback run, which if you recall, I, I think both quarterbacks for Nebraska had big gains on the ground. A couple, you know, I think one was designed. Another one was, was just a scramble that let loose. Um, and Ohio state fans were going, Oh no, it's 2018 all over again. And we can't contain a running quarterback. What's going on. But the other one was was the running game, and I think um, you know, at the as of even a few weeks ago, Ohio State had the top running game of any Power Five team. The only teams ahead of it were, you know, the Service Academies and Tulane or something like that. Mm. And I think so much of that is Trey Sermon getting comfortable running in that scheme and running behind that line. You know, I remember seeing you know watching in that Nebraska game. You know, he, he made a cut and ran right into the back of one of the guards and you oh. know, just completely, you know, there was an open gap to his right and he went left and suffered a two yard loss. And we all looked around and went, oh, boy, this is this is not J.K. Dobbins anymore. We better get used to watching some of these things. And then somehow over the last month, month and a half, whatever it may be, last three games, because they've only played three games in the last six weeks. Um Somehow in that time, he just found his vision, got his confidence back. He looked like a guy who had been, you know, a, a multi-year starter at a power program like Oklahoma or Ohio State, and he started hitting holes. And when he started seeing those holes a little bit more, he, he, it seemed to slow down. And then he turned into this animal after contact. I mean, this was a guy who 
this is not a guy who just outruns opponents. I mean, he seems to relish, uh, really seems to relish contact and engaging tacklers and stiff arming. Like he doesn't go down easily. And I think that has opened up everything else in the offense and then simultaneously taken pressure off of the defense by allowing, knowing that, Hey, we can control the clock. We can throw deep on play action whenever we want to, because we got a quarterback and receivers who can, who can do something with it. Um, you know, that, that alone seems to have just unlocked a different level for this team. Abo Sweeney had been harping on how you guys own, you know, played so few games, but I think Trey Sermon's instance is a case of where he had the advantage because he knew his team knew what his team was capable of where Ohio state was still kind of in mid season form in some ways, figuring things out. And fortunately they figured out with Trey, um, but that he, what he painted as a, a disadvantage, I thought, or as an advantage, I thought it was actually a disadvantage. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that completely, both on both sides of the ball for Clemson, frankly. I mean, Ohio State was able to come in and, and play a, a completely different defensive structure that they hadn't had to show all year, really. And Clemson just seemed to be perplexed by it. They didn't know how to do it. Now, granted, it certainly hurt them that they didn't have their offensive coordinator in that game. But, you know, Ohio State was able to basically hide all of their complementary pieces on both sides of the ball and catch Clemson off guard. Whereas Clemson had already played 11 games and shown pretty much everything in both playbooks on both sides. And so, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, Dabo tried to play it as an, as an advantage, but I think it definitely proved to be the other way around. So just real briefly now, what, what are you looking for? What are you hoping for against Alabama? Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> I, I think the big difference is, is, how much I think both teams can score. I, I, I really think that Ohio state is going to be able to put up points on Alabama. If you look at, um, if you look at the way uh, other teams, you know, Mississippi put up Ole Miss put up a ton of yards and a ton of points back in October. And then even Florida, you know, three for 400 yards in the SEC title game. Um, Notre Dame ran for, you know, over five yards of carry just this past week. Uh, but no, you know, they, Alabama hasn't had to play a team with the balance that Ohio State has for the reasons we just talked about. Um, and so I, I do feel like Ohio State's going to be able to put points on the board. This is a bit of a younger Alabama defense. Sure, there's a ton of talent, and they're not going to be as disorganized as Clemson seemed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a, it's young. You know, This is very similar in a lot of ways to 2014 when Ohio State won the first CFP and was able to take on an Alabama team that you know had Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen, but they were freshmen and sophomores. And they were able to take advantage of that with a veteran offensive line. Now you flip it the other way and Ohio state hasn't played an offensive line like this. Yeah. You know, I, I, I couldn't even, maybe the last time, you know, when Oklahoma and Baker Mayfield upset Ohio state in 2017, you know, and that team had, I think four NFL starters on that offensive line. This is, this is that level. Um, You know, every year there's good offensive line in the big 10. Wisconsin always has a good line. Uh, Nebraska has a good line. Iowa has a good line. There's a lot of them, you know, Penn state, Michigan, they always had, they're always strong, but this is, you know, as talented as you're going to find at the college level. And I think that's the real challenge for Ohio state is making sure that they can still, you know, that they can clog up the run lanes. They can still uh, hem in Najee Harris and force Alabama to somehow be one dimensional. If they can do it, this will be a fun game. It'll be a great game back and forth. If they can't contain the run, then they're not going to be able to contain the run and the pass. And the pass pass defense has clearly been an issue for Ohio State all year. Um, You know, they still gave up 400 yards passing to Trevor Lawrence last week. 
<laughs> that's kind of the, the thing happen. everyone's for. Yeah, I mean, it'll happen, but you know, they still gave up 400 yeah. passing yards. That's and a lot so, of so, you know, that's not exactly a strength you can hang your hat on. So you better be able to stop the run. And if they can't do either, this is, this is going to be a boat race real quickly. And I don't think Ohio state wants to play that kind of game. Are you or 11 warriors on the record with score prediction? I have not yet. I mean, I, we're, we're a little bit early. Um, you know, I, I, I think it'll be close. I think that Ohio state, like I said, can score points. I don't know if they have the defensive firepower to really hang with this offensive line and, um, you know, keep Alabama from running up either way. I will say this, bet the over. That's, that's, that's my prediction for this game. (laughs) Bet the over. Did you see that ridiculous Clemson video where they were like rooting for that bully Alabama to beat up Ohio state? (laughs) <laughs> no it was it oh. sec shorts or no i think it was a bar stool maybe from uh, mm. from clumsy it was just so pathetic it was like uh, the ohio state character pushed over the clemson character and then they called in their bully friend to you know <laughs> ohio state I just that was the lamest thing so anyway well, regional pride's real man regional pride is real i guess that i it's just uh it's embarrassing for them anyway well, I think uh, I can confidently say that Nebraska fans universally, almost probably nearly universally, will be rooting for Ohio State, and not just because of the conference affiliation, but because of kind of the kindred spirit there um, forged this season. And it'll be really interesting to follow that moving forward. I mean, Nebraskans loved to hate Oklahoma back in the day, but the way people talk about Oklahoma now is with so much love and affection, mm-hmm. it seems like. So, you know, maybe this is the beginning of something new for us. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. I mean, I think this is, I, I do think what this year has done to the, our earlier conversation is it's allowed Ohio state fans to stop pretending to be the victim. Uh, I think it's pretty, <laughs> there's always still that, you know, that segment of every fan base who's convinced that ESPN and the conference and everyone else is out to get Ohio state. But if, if that's been shown this year is that Ohio state's pretty much caught all the breaks from a logistical standpoint. <laughs> right. That's and I, I don't know how you could argue otherwise. And so Look, it's paid off. They're in the national title game. They beat beat up on Clemson. You know, they won all the games they're supposed to. And so, but at the same time, you know, that you can't play the that someone's out to get Ohio State. And so I think hopefully that allows Buckeye fans to kind of look at everything with a little bit more objective point of view. And, you know, as that gets to conference politics down the road, hopefully that leads to some uh a little bit more more of a supportive relationship between teams, you know, excluding our friends in Ann Arbor, of course. Of course, yeah. Also, Nebraska and Ohio State just wrapped up uh, like a six-year cycle where we played each other every year. So we can – That's true. Take a break, and I think that probably will make our fondness grow in the short term. You know, if you play everybody – if you only play somebody in Indianapolis, it's really hard to dislike them. I'll put it that way. Sure. sure. <laughs> That's fair. All right, Kyle, it's been great talking to you. Thanks for taking the time, and uh, – Uh, Best of luck uh, in the national championship game. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks again to Mr. Jones for joining us on the podcast. And thank you for listening. We want to encourage you to stay subscribed throughout the off season because we will continue to post intermittent episodes and we don't want you to miss out so uh, believe it or not it's just a few short months before we'll start talking about 2021 football so uh, we'll see you soon go big red 
Husker Football Fan Podcast is an unofficial, non-commercial podcast and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. The views expressed on this podcast belong solely to the individuals expressing them. The Husker Football Fan Podcast is not endorsed by or affiliated with the Nebraska Cornhuskers or the University of Nebraska. Thank you.